back to the Bold Choice Podcast. I am your host, Adrian Morrell. It is a beautiful day here in Vancouver on the traditional territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh. Thank you so much for tuning to episode number nine. We have a fun episode with lots to chat about. Our opening segment will once again be the Bold Choice Blue Line. I know you guys love it. We don't have any Canucks-related material this time around, but we have a lot to talk about for the future of hockey, so that will be something to pay attention to. Our second segment this week will be a look back on Canadian television, especially with what people born in the 90s and 2000s may have grown up with. We were blessed with a lot of great TV to watch, which ranged from after-school television shows to the Saturday morning classic cartoons. A lot of these shows shaped us into who we are, and I'll go down memory lane and mention some shows you probably haven't heard of in a while. And to conclude, with this week's Bull Choice of the Week, I'm going to propose a challenging activity for you. Who would be on your Mount Rushmore of musicians? All time. It's a tough one, so tune in to see who I choose as my four greatest musicians and what my thought process looks like. So without further ado, let's get right to it. back to the podcast i'm here with the bold choice blue line and although there isn't any canucks related discussions for this week's segment i still want to talk about the nhl's all-star weekend and olympic hockey so this past weekend we had the nhl all-star weekend which consists of the all-star game and the skills competition it's a very fun weekend it was held in las vegas this year and this year i felt like it lost its glitz and glamour and i say this because Growing up, I loved watching the All-Star Game and the skills competition. It may be the same events every year, such as the fastest skater, the hardest shot, the uh, breakaway challenge, etc. But there was always a thrill of watching and predicting who would win. So, I always knew that the game itself would have worse defense than what you know the Vancouver Canucks have. I know a lot of people joke around about how awful the Canucks defense is, but the All-Star Game defense is just invisible you know players don't want to try they just want to try all these trick shots and fancy passes and and kind of give the fans a show and that's part of the fun I think in seeing players all relax and just having a good time you know this is midway through the season it's been a tough season a lot of games have been played and players just want to enjoy themselves you know take time to interact with others see how everyone's doing Some of these players may have played with each other in the past, maybe in junior or internationally. They have that connection, especially in this social media era where players just seem to be more friendly with each other than in the past. And I remember back a few years ago when Brock Bezer of the Canucks was in the All-Star game, he dominated the accuracy shooting competition. And right after, Sidney Crosby goes over to shake his hand, introduce himself. And you just love to see it because a veteran like Crosby, uh, you know, a future Hall of Famer, one of the greatest uh, hockey players of all time, goes over to interact with a younger, more shy Brock Bezer and kind of gives him confidence. And I don't, I don't know what was said, obviously, but it looked like Brock Bezer was definitely honored to, to be in the presence of Sidney Crosby. Now, another aspect of the All-Star game I, I loved in the past was the fantasy draft. And... They had this for a few years. I don't exactly remember why they got rid of it, but one of the best memories was seeing Alex Ovechkin taking a picture with his BlackBerry of Phil Kessel when he was the last player remaining in the draft. 
So to kind of give some context, there were two captains um, that are chosen. They have some vice captains with them. And then they choose from a pool of the players that are, I guess, voted in by the fans. And the last player was Phil Kessel. And the last player was given a car. But it was just funny to see because Phil Kessel and all the players knew that he was the last pick because he was the last remaining person sitting in the seat. So I think bringing back the fantasy draft would be a lot more fun. It would kind of give a more interactive and more entertaining aspect to the All-Star game. I think it would be fun to see the likes of Connor McDavid, Alex Ovechkin, Sidney Crosby, Nathan McKinnon kind of choose from this new generation of players where we see guys like Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegras possibly being in the All-Star teams for years to come. And I think the All-Star game right now is starting to feel more dull. And the NHL, in order to grow the game and catch up to the likes of Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL, has to embrace the fun and personality of the league. It just brings another level of entertainment to what is already an entertaining weekend. And and just imagine how entertaining an all-star draft would have been this year in Vegas. I also think one of the big issues, and, and I've talked about this before, is the whole aspect of team representation. I don't understand why there needs to be a player from each NHL team to be in the All-Star game. Because my definition of an All-Star is just the best player, regardless of where they play. And some teams obviously have more All-Stars than the others. I love seeing guys be rewarded for their great play over the course of the season. And I think we want to see the best players on the ice in the league. We want to see, you know, just how good the NHL is in, in developing talent. Um, and obviously, as fans of, you know, different teams, we want to see players on our own teams be rewarded with the All-Star appearance. This year, I was I was lucky and fortunate to see Thatcher Demko represent the Vancouver Canucks, and we certainly could have had Quinn Hughes or JT Miller added to the mix. And I'm sure fans in LA are happy that Adrian Kempe was an all-star and fans in Montreal are happy that Nick Suzuki was an all-star. But I think this kind of goes with the criticism of the all-star game that it's just a popularity contest and that all players should be given a chance. I, I agree. You know, if it's an issue of a player not being able to attend because of an injury or family commitment, then yeah, bring someone else who's deserving of it, either with the next highest amount of votes or even do it by player's vote. Some players are very well respected amongst NHL. Um, I'm sure that if it came down to a player vote, there would be players chosen that are well deserving of that honor. The fan vote can be flawed at times, and we see this a lot with with how fans tend to vote for, for players. We saw with John Scott a few years ago, a guy who, with all due respect, isn't exactly you know an NHL caliber player and he was chosen to the All-Star game and there was that whole debacle of the NHL not wanting him there and obviously there was some pushback where he was you know brought into the game um, I'm sure you know Gary Bettman didn't exactly want John Scott to be there but it was great to see John Scott there anyways kind of represent the guys that work hard and, and don't get that credit that you know the rest of the All-Stars get one example of a player that should have been at the All-Star game that wasn't exactly is Trevor Zegras. And I, I know he was there to participate in the breakaway challenge, but he wasn't chosen for the game. And, and Trevor Zegras, whether you like it or not, is one of the NHL's brightest young talents. And he'll be one of the many faces of the game. 
He's one of the best choices to market the game. He plays on a South California team, and it will only bring awareness and recognition to hockey in that state because we see a lot of hockey talent come from different parts of the U.S. and Canada. We don't see a lot coming from California, and Thatcher Demko, I believe, is the first Californian goalie to play in the All-Star game. So that's a huge honor itself. So having guys like Trevor Zegras will only add to the growing of the game in um, in California and in other different hotspots of the United States. And the game has historically been criticized for the lack of com- of a competitive spirit between the players. Players just kind of just skate slowly and, and pass the puck and, and try, you know, getting those highlight reel goals. But fans should also keep the league's main intentions in perspective when analyzing this event. It's all about marketing and revenue, above all, for the NHL. They always want to make money off it. Putting it in Vegas was, I think, a great idea for the NHL. Obviously, Vegas has endeared itself to the NHL um, in being you know, a very hot market. This gives everybody a chance to go to Las Vegas and to, to enjoy the All-Star game and all the festivities and, and obviously you know, give Vegas that little boost in tourism but also gives the NHL that boost financially in selling tickets and and all the other events that happen. Now, there's definitely work to be done, but you can't help but remember that this was our best and only chance at seeing the best players in hockey because we don't have the NHL players at the Olympics this year. About a month ago, the NHL opted out of the Beijing Olympics that are, are currently underway and decided it would not be sending players. So we were once again robbed of that chance to see the best players in hockey represent their respective countries. We haven't seen NHL players represent their country since 2014, and hopefully we can see players in 2026, which isn't far off. There's another four years, but we want to see you know the great players in our game play for their countries and get that chance at winning the elusive gold medal. Um, now, with the opting out of the NHL, the participating teams have had to adjust in terms of their roster planning. I'm sure they had you know, some kind of contingency plan where if the NHL opted out, they would have a pool of players ready in, in case the NHL players weren't able to come. And in the case of Team Canada and United States, that's a huge loss for them because pretty much the entirety of their rosters are NHL players. So to have to go back to the drawing board and look at collegiate players or, or players playing in Europe it had to take some adjustment and and kind of finding you know who would who would be the perfect fit to bring back a gold medal and in looking at team canada's roster obviously we would have loved to have the likes of Connor mcdavid Sidney crosby nathan mckinnon um so on and so forth but team canada's roster that they've put together for this version of the olympics is just as good i think it's a good mix of youth and veteran experience and we're we're blessed with having a captain like Eric Stahl who's been an NHL veteran he's won a Stanley Cup and he was part of Montreal's Stanley Cup run just this past year and there's other veterans on Team Canada like Jason Demers uh, Josh Hossang David DeHarnay Landon Ferraro the son of Ray Ferraro um, Adam Cracknell Johnny Winnick the list goes on and then there's that you know, influx of youth like Mason McTavish, uh, Owen Power, 
Um, I believe even Kent Johnson's on that team. So there is that mix and, and kind of blending of uh, different generations and different styles of hockey. And this is the best team that Team Canada could put together. And I'm optimistic that Team Canada will once again contend for a gold medal and, and, and play really good hockey. And in terms of the Olympic tournament, like I said, we would have loved to see NHL players there and kind of see the best players in the world. But we kind of have to go with what the, the cards have been dealt. And Canada, the United States, Russia, Sweden, they're all contending for gold. Last time around, Canada came in third place and you know had a good tournament. It wasn't the result that we would have liked, but to bring back a medal nonetheless is important and the Russians won gold and Germany surprised everybody and, and went to the gold medal game only to lose to Russia but to come home with silver and the Olympic tournaments like we've seen in the past like we had in 2010 2014 and even before that are such a great time where people kind of just watch you know all these great players play for their countries and the next best opportunity we can see the best players represent their countries could possibly be in 2024 with the return of the World Cup of Hockey. And we've had this in the past. The last time we had this was in 2016, um, where it was a success. We got to see players play for their countries, and they had kind of an adjusted format where a lot of these smaller European teams were kind of blended together to form a Team Europe. And then there was also Team North America, where the best young players in Canada and the United States under the age of 23, I believe, were kind of combined together. So there was that entertaining aspect where we saw that happen. And I think if the NHL and NHLPA go back to the World Cup of Hockey, that can be a huge success because we're blessed with so much talent right now. And if you look at the likes of Team Canada, we can have a lot of good players represent us in 2024 if they do indeed bring back the World Cup. We have Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, um, John Tavares, Steven Stamkos, Nathan McKinnon, the list goes on. And it's just a, a, such a deep pool of players where we can honestly send out a Team A and a Team B. And I'd be happy with Team B even winning because we're really lucky to have such talented um, players. And the same goes for Team USA, for Team Sweden, Team Finland. Like, there's so many teams that can just play really well and, and contend for that gold medal. And what I want them to do is to kind of get rid of the Team Europe aspect and just bring back the traditional countries. Let Team Slovakia play. Let Team Switzerland play. And let, you know, Team Germany play. Because there's a lot of good players in the NHL, in the minors, in junior and in college that will represent their teams. If you were to combine, you know, all those smaller European teams and, and form a team Europe, then yeah, you, you might have a deeper roster and you can possibly see, you know, Anze Kopitar play on a line with Leon Dreisaitl and Nikolai Ehlers. But you want to see these teams represent themselves. And I don't know what they would do in terms of a team North America. Um, obviously the NHLPA and NHL would have to work on that and see exactly what the parameters would be if they do want to bring that back. But 2024 would be 
the next best opportunity to do an international tournament where we see the best players in hockey. Because 2026 Winter Olympics in Milan are quite a ways away. And we may not see the likes of Sidney Crosby play for Team Canada. I'd certainly love for him to have that one last shot at winning a gold medal, whether that be the World Cup of Hockey or the Olympics. But only time will tell. And I think over the course of you know these next few years, depending on what they decide to do, that will say a lot of, of how our current generation of, of international hockey will go. And it's really interesting to see, you know, with All-Star Weekend, with international hockey, just how l- good we have it in terms of all of this talent, the ones that we have right now and the ones we'll have tomorrow. And it'll be interesting to see exactly who we have on these rosters, on the, on the All-Star rosters, and just on Olympic rosters for years to come. But it's really exciting, and hockey is in a good place going forward. And this has been my little discussion on on what the NHL can do to improve the experience of All-Star Weekend, as well as what we can expect going forward for international hockey. And we'll be going on to our next segment We got our next segment on here, and I'm going to take a trip down memory lane. And I love doing this because I'm a very nostalgic person. But I also think that this topic for this segment is something that needs to be talked about. It's something that is fun to look back on, something that really shaped us into who we are. And that is the nostalgic TV shows that we grew up with. Now, when I say we, I refer to a certain demographic. I feel like a lot of the people listening are part of my generation, you know, that mid to late 90s, but also early 2000s generation where we had a lot of amazing TV shows to watch. And I know one thing to kind of keep in mind is that a lot of us kind of grew up with the same shows, but not all of us watched or had the same interest in, in you know the shows that a lot of us liked. For example, one of the most beloved shows in, I guess, my generation's history was Hannah Montana. Now, not a lot of people liked it. If you asked a group of guys, they probably wouldn't have said that they liked Hannah Montana. But it is a show that a lot of people watch just because it was the show to watch. Everybody wanted to know what was happening in the life of Hannah Montana, which was played by Miley Cyrus. But there's a lot of other shows that have existed, also on the Disney Channel, but on other channels as well, where some people watched it, some people didn't. And there's nothing wrong with that. We all have different interests. Maybe it depended on on what time the shows were, because a lot of us you know, didn't have the same rules growing up. Some of us were allowed to stay up and watch shows, some of us weren't. Um... But 
looking back on that time when I was, you know, a young kid with no responsibilities, you know, no real expectations. I was just going to school, coming home, do my homework, watch TV. Um, I don't know, play with toys or, or watch, you know, a hockey game and then go to bed and then repeat. That was pretty much my life. And maybe you have the same thing. But I, I always love looking back on those shows that I grew up with. You know, I always see, you know, something on Instagram or Twitter or, on or TikTok that, you know, kind of reminds me of those those golden days where I was able to enjoy watching TV. And YTV is, if you don't know what it is, if you're not from Canada, was a channel um, in Canada where it had a lot of, I guess, after school TV shows. Um, I don't know if it's the same anymore, but around three o'clock or maybe four, they would have SpongeBob SquarePants, Fairly Odd Parents, and then a, a bunch of other shows that followed. And then this would take you, I think, to six o'clock p.m. which would have been iCarly. I, 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 I could be getting the, t the timeline mixed up, but I feel like that's what it was. But YTV had a lot of great shows that, you know, they acquired from other networks. Smallville was on there for a long time. Naruto was on there. Um, Pokemon, iCarly. Um, there was a lot of, like, there was a good mix of cartoons, but also, like, real-life shows. And there was, you know, a huge variety to choose from. And, of course, as, as time progressed, a few shows would come off the air and new shows would come on. Um, YTV had, I think it was Sunday night movies where they would have a movie or two where you could watch. And then they had um, the Saturday morning cartoon, I guess, segment or, or kind of time where you, you just watch all these shows and I think as I grew older I kind of got got out of that phase and started watching other you know networks and, and TV shows but YTV was a huge part of of my my growing up and that's something that I kind of look back on and I, I'll, I'll occasionally flip to that channel and I don't recognize any of the shows that are on now they still have the I guess the newer episodes of Spongebob Squarepants but it just doesn't look the same and we always say this as we go older when we look back on something and it's not what we expect it to be um we kind of get all grouchy and we you know we look back and say oh our generation was the best and we were able to kind of grow with you know ytv and of course um carlos bustamante who's now with entertainment tonight he was a huge part of of ytv he was the host he you know he's one of the the funnier guys and really was able to kind of get our attention when when in between shows and, and commercial breaks but other networks that you know existed um nickelodeon uh disney nickelodeon had you know a lot of great shows kind of in that mid to late 90s era like keenan and kel um which features keenan thompson and kel mitchell of course, SpongeBob was there. Rugrats was there. Drake and Josh um, was was a huge show. Um, hey Arnold, Doug, uh, the list goes on. Like Nickelodeon was also at the top of their game. They had a lot of great shows, and kind of the same thing with YTV now. A lot of the shows now are awkward. I I, I don't know what other word to use. It just seems kind of strange, you know, just looking at the acting. And I know they're young kids that 
are just starting out their career. But I think it's kind of um, interesting to look at, you know, what we had compared to what, you know, kids today have. And Disney Channel was by far the most popular, I guess, network because there were so many shows that people wanted to watch, like Hannah Montana, Kim Possible, Lizzie McGuire, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, Sweet Life on Deck, Wizards and Wave of the Place. Like, the list goes on and on. And I, I can't even begin to tell you just how important these shows were as I was getting to that 10 to 12 year old range even in my early stages of high school like these shows were still on and we kind of grew up with them um, and now they're all kind of doing different things like they have families they're getting married um, you know and they're, and they're doing other shows like you look at uh, Cole Sprouse uh, from Sweet Life is That Cody Food on Deck he's on Riverdale now and he's um you know been on the show for a few years now and it's really interesting to see you know what these kind of actors do beyond the shows that we know them for and a lot of them have you know that show that they're always associated with like you think of mr mosby uh, from sweet life zach and cody and sweet life and zach no matter what he does in his career after that no matter how successful those shows are we always know him as mr mosby and it's it kind of goes with you know how we've grown up and I, I think of you know the the classic Canadian shows that we watch on CBC and YTV and one of the shows that comes to mind is Degrassi and I, I may have mentioned Degrassi in the past but Degrassi is one of my favorite shows of all time there's nothing that kind of beats Degrassi because it's a long-lasting series um, it's a series that existed I think in 2000 or 2001 and it was the reboot of a series that happened in the 90s and 80s so they kind of continued on they they brought in a new cast to be the the new generation which is exactly the the name of Degrassi the next generation um and we see you know new storylines and, and new kind of characters kind of carry the torch of Degrassi and Degrassi's always been known as the show that that goes there and it's been intense it's been informative it's been inspirational it's told stories that resonate with people not just in Canada but worldwide and it's told stories about um, abusive relationships it's told stories about substance abuse about infidelity teen pregnancies all that stuff that that happens in our real life uh, society it, it always, you know, helped people kind of tell their story, you know, by seeing someone on screen that looked like them or had the same issue as them. It always made things better and it was more easy to talk about. And that's why Degrassi is such a significant show. And you look now what we have for, you know, teen TV shows. There's Riverdale, there's Euphoria, there's, there's a bunch of shows that, you know, try to be like Degrassi but we'll never beat them and Degrassi's kind of known as that show um, that had Drake Drake was on the show before he became you know a successful musician um, there's a lot of other great uh, actors and actresses that have been on Degrassi like Nina Dobrev um, Sinead Grimes um, the list goes on and Degrassi is a part of my childhood because when I was a kid it always seemed really taboo to watch Degrassi, but then I remember kids in my school that 
watched Degrassi and talked about it. And I, I slowly, you know, caught up on Degrassi and going into high school, uh, there were a lot of people that talked about it and the different storylines and it moved from CTV to much music. And I feel like at a certain point, it really changed. It wasn't the same Degrassi that we had come to know um, with, you know, those core characters that we saw for a long period of time and grew up with. And Degrassi came off the air um, on, t on TV, at least, uh, in 2015. And they kind of revitalized itself into a Netflix show um, called Degrassi Next Class. Also a good show. It had a lot of, you know, characters that were still in... Uh, high school at that time and it went on for a few years um, and kind of followed that Netflix format of, of you know keeping things to a minimum and Netflix didn't really know what to do with the show after that it kind of just ended you know with a lot of unfinished business and it just went off the air people just forgot about Degrassi up until a few weeks ago when HBO picked it up um, for a new series that will, I think, debut next year. And that's really exciting for myself and for Degrassi fans to see what they do with it. Because HBO, like they've kind of done with, you know, the shows that they have now, kind of take things, you know, to a little bit of a more darker, more serious level. And that's something that has been Degrassi's strength in telling those stories in a very serious manner. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm just excited, you know, to have Degrassi back. I've never really forgotten about Degrassi. I've always, you know, said that it's one of the greatest shows that, you know, has kind of come out in Canada. It's a Canadian classic, something that a lot of people in Canada grew up with. And, you know, it's kind of spread into this worldwide sensation. So I'm definitely excited to see what Degrassi does, uh, going forward, but also, not just Degrassi, but Canadian content as a whole. Like, what shows are going to be the ones to watch? Um, we don't see a lot of that because a lot of the shows we watch are American and they're, you know, from those major uh, television networks or streaming platforms. But CBC and CTV especially continue to put out great series with um, Canadian actors and actresses. And that's what we need to continue to grow our industry we need to continue doing that and the next generation of, of actors and actresses will want to be you know on these shows and get their 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 head start and there's a lot of work to be done that we can apply to Canadian TV um, of course you know growing up in the generation that I grew up with and when watching the shows that I watched there's a lot of comparisons that you can make and it's, it's kind of unfair to compare the two comparing shows of the past and comparing shows of right now because it's different you know the messaging in in what they're trying to show in the stories are a lot different because you have to cater to the audience if, you know a ytv show now won't be able to have those those subtle inappropriate jokes that we saw a lot in the past you know now cancel culture has taken this effect of of making sure everything's kind of just you know appropriate and maybe that's a good thing maybe it's a bad thing but it is something you know that i i have been thinking about and maybe you've been thinking about as well but i hope you've enjoyed this little segment on nostalgic tv shows a little 
trip down memory lane if you, if you want to call it that i love doing that and if you, you have any shows in particular that you think other people have forgotten that you want me to talk about bring awareness to let me know i'll do that but that has been this segment we now head on to the bold choice of the week and i think you might like this this is a more interactive activity that we'll be getting into So lately, I was watching a video from the Sidemen on YouTube where they were asking each other who the greatest musician was in their mind. And this kind of brought some thought-provoking answers because it got them thinking about what a great musician truly is. It could be someone that can sing really well, that can dance really well, that can write music, that can produce. There's so many different ways to look at what a great musician could be. And it got me thinking not necessarily about what a great musician is, but about Mount Rushmore. And I'll give you some background on why I think this. Mount Rushmore is a massive sculpture found in the Black Hills region of South Dakota in the United States of America. Now on this sculpture, you could find the faces of four of America's most significant men in their history, such as George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Theodore Roosevelt, and Abraham Lincoln. So the sculpture is used in a lot of normal references in sports and pop culture and television and in fashion etc where a lot of people say who is in your mount rushmore of you know that various category you can say this if 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 you ask me what's my mount rushmore of candies i would list four candies to represent you know the four um faces that are on mount rushmore so that's exactly what we'll do for this week's Bold Choice of the Week, where I will give my Mount Rushmore of musicians for three categories in particular. Because there's so many ways to look at look at this, really, like decades or genres, geographic regions. But for me, I will choose these three categories. I'll do one Mount Rushmore for the greatest musicians of all time, for four of them. I will do a Mount Rushmore for one of the most popular eras of music the 1980s and i'll do a mount rushmore just for canadian artists only so that's four names for each category so i'll be choosing 12 names total and i'll start off with the all-time mount rushmore because that's the toughest you need to have an open mind and, and kind of look into different genres and eras because you can't really just look at what you like the most there's so many different ways you need to look at it and for me, one obvious name that comes to mind when I think of greatest musicians of all time and probably would be my choice anyways is Michael Jackson, the king of pop. He is one of music's biggest, most influential inspirations. He has such an amazing legacy. He's one of the best singers, performers. He's really solidified himself on my Mount Rushmore and probably many people worldwide. Um... Another name that I could probably put on here is Elvis Presley, the king of rock. He was probably the first mega superstar in the music world, even though it's ages ago where he, you know, he really came out and, and did his thing. 
his legacy lives on and no one will really compare to Elvis Presley ever again. The third name I want to put on here is Madonna. I know this is a bold one because Madonna's obviously still alive and she's still creating music and doing her thing, but her overall impact and legacy is is huge. She's one of the most iconic musicians of all time, whether you like her or not. And her ability to sing, to dance, to just to write music that has transcended time is unheard of. You don't see a lot of people like Madonna, especially in today's day and age. And for my last name, I really struggled with this because I was looking at lists of iconic musicians and I was really thinking about who I wanted to put here. And I guess this is cheating in a way because you're supposed to pick a figure. But I chose a group, and that is the Beatles. They're iconic, historic, classical, whatever you want to call them. They set a precedent for being a global sensation and really inspired countless artists. And you can argue that you can't choose a group because there's, there's multiple of them in the Beatles. But their legacy lives on. People grew up listening to the Beatles. People still listen to the Beatles. Um, there's no one that will ever kind of surpass the Beatles in terms of that overall excellence. And that's my Mount Rushmore for all-time musicians. Michael Jackson, Elvis Presley, Madonna, and the Beatles. I think that's a solid list right there. I don't know what you would choose for your all-time artists definitely let me know because it's interesting to see you know who kind of comes out on top in terms of where we rank these great musicians all time so that was a tough one um now i'm going to move on to my mount rushmore for 80s music and you're probably wondering why i chose the 80s now i wasn't born in the 80s obviously um so I have no real attachment to this decade, but it is a decade that was huge for music. The 80s had a bunch of artists, a bunch of songs, a bunch of albums that just live on in, in fame and in excellence, something that we don't really see in today's age. A lot of the music that we hear now don't have that kind of quality or caliber that 80s music had or even 90s. So my first artist for the 1980s is someone I've chosen already in my Mount Rushmore all-time, and that is Michael Jackson. He had songs like Rock With You, Beat It, Billie Jean. Those songs are, I guess, approaching four decades old and are, are timeless, really. They're hits that will never be forgotten. If you go to any playlist featuring the 1980s, you can search on Spotify, YouTube, Apple Music, whatever you use. You just search any 80s playlist. Michael Jackson's there. There's no way that he wouldn't be there. There's no way that you wouldn't find Beat It or Billie Jean, Thriller, any of those songs. And it really shows just how dominant he was, how much of an icon he was and still is to this day. Um, my next choice, I guess, series of choices um are Prince, George Michael and Whitney Houston. Obviously the ta the talent is off the charts, but their contributions to music in the 80s and even beyond that will never be forgotten. Um George Michael obviously 
um, had this amazing voice. Um, he was someone that people loved, uh, obviously with this time with Wham, but he just had this amazing ability to to sing and to just just capture your attention with his voice. Same thing with Prince, one of the best performers of all time. He had arguably the best Super Bowl halftime show ever. Um, and he he really had this this own personal flavor that he has. You know, he, he did things his style. He had kind of that rock pop um, voice that was just so different from everybody else's. And obviously Whitney Houston, one of the greatest voices that we've ever heard, I think. Um, no one will compare to Whitney Houston and, and what she was able to do. Um, obviously the song uh, I Will Always Love You um, stands out, but she's had, you know, best-selling albums and was really one of the faces of 80s music. And I, I get this eerie feeling because if you've kind of paid attention to the artists I chose for this category of 80s music, all four of these artists are no longer with us. And it's, it's really sad because they were part of such an important decade of music and, and really set a standard for artists beyond them. And although they're no longer with us, their legacy lives on. And you can't help but imagine what a concert it would be in heaven just to see them performing with all the amazing artists that have since left us. But those four choices, Michael Jackson, Prince, George Michael, and Whitney Houston, are my choices for the Mount Rushmore of 80s music. And this brings us to my last category, which is the Mount Rushmore of Canadian music. And this one was a fun one because there's so many great Canadian artists that you can choose from, from the past, from right now, and from the future. Um, we're extremely blessed to have such talented musicians. And I, I really feel like that 1990s to 2000s range definitely doesn't get enough credit or praise. Um, obviously, if you turn on the radio right now, if you want to hear Canadian music, you, you can listen to The Weeknd, to Sean Mendes, Alessia Cara. There's so many amazing artists. Drake. Um, and there's like, obviously, that, that huge movement that happened in the 90s and 2000s where we really saw a lot of artists kind of take off, like Alanis Morissette, Shania Twain, Nelly Furtado, who you know, won all these awards and, and really propelled their music to the top of the charts. Um, and as talented as they are, you know, Michael Bublé, Avril Lavigne, like there's so many amazing Canadian artists that I wish I can put on this list and on my Mount Rushmore. But that just shows, you know, the, the depth that we have in terms of Canadian musicians and I also wanted to put Drake, but I don't want him stealing someone else's spot, so I'll give him an honorable mention. But for my first spot, um, I'm going to give it to someone that's been in the news a lot recently because of what's been happening with Spotify, and that is Neil Young. Neil Young is, you know, someone who's given everything to music, everything to Canada. And Neil Young, if you haven't followed that little controversy with Joe, Joe Rogan recently... Uh, Neil Young threatened to take his music off Spotify because Spotify wasn't as exactly defending Joe Rogan, someone who's very outspoken about vaccine mandates and, and vaccines and, and all that stuff. So Neil Young said, you either choose me or you choose him. And Spotify didn't exactly 
give the best answer to Neil Young and Neil Young just took his music off and said I'm done with Spotify and a few other artists have supported him in that but that aside Neil Young has had a remarkable career someone who has truly represented Canada to the highest of levels in music and someone else who is kind of on that level maybe not exactly on Neil Young's level but getting there is Brian Adams and he's one of my favorite artists all time he's just one of the best to ever do it um the list of of songs that he has had you know at the top of the charts is it's it's endless and Neil Young and Brian Adams especially are, are locks in my opinion for my Mount Rushmore of Canadian music they've been positive representatives of our country and what it means to be Canadian and I think the next person I want to put on here may be someone that surprises you. I, I don't know exactly how you feel about her, but Celine Dion is, is definitely deserving of a spot because she's a queen, Let, let's be honest. I would have given her the spot just for giving us My Heart Will Go On, but she's done so much for for Canada, for music. She's such an inspiration. All the losses that she's injured especially in the last decade or so she's continued to prosper she's had her shows in in vegas and she's had her i guess her world tour that's that's coming to vancouver i think next month maybe after that um celine dion is someone that just has so much respect from from everyone worldwide uh she's such an inspiration such a such a queen and i i had to give her this third spot and now this kind of leaves me in a, a weird position because I'm now torn between two artists for that last remaining spot. And it's either Sarah McLaughlin or Gord Downey. But when you look at Mount Rushmore, like I said at the beginning, it's to kind of symbolize the, the legacy, the contributions of these people. And Sarah McLaughlin has been an amazing artist you know, throughout time for Canada. A lot of her music was heard on the radio uh, when I was a kid. Um, I have a lot of respect, a lot of admiration for her. But someone I've come to kind of know over the course of the last few years has been Gord Downey. And he has since left us. He's a huge part of the Tragically Hip, a huge part of Canadian music and Canadian history. And his contributions in terms of music is is paramount. It's, it's up there. But... His contributions to the country is something that I guess sometimes goes unnoticed. I think not a lot of people know just how important he is because he wanted to restore the broken relationship between the indigenous peoples of Canada and the rest of Canada. Um, he said it best. I, I think he said if we were to truly call ourselves Canadian, it meant that we had to become one, to be united, just like we say we are in our national anthem. And... He really wanted this path of reconciliation to be something that was important to the future of Canada, especially approaching that 150-year anniversary of Canada. And he was the quintessential Canadian, I think, um, someone that really represented Canada to the fullest. And it's, it's certainly a huge loss to, to no longer have Gord Downey with us, but his legacy not just in music, but in his advocation for equality and for a better tomorrow is something that I'll always remember. 
so that kind of brings us to the end of my little Mount Rushmore activity. It's always interesting to see what we consider to be important in our minds because we all have different definitions and ideas of what something is is important. Just like when we look at, you know, the Mount Rushmore of musicians, we can do the same thing with TV shows. What TV shows are up there on Mount Rushmore? What actors and actresses are up there on Mount Rushmore? What politicians, what, you know scientists or authors there's so many categories you can you can look at and i think it's these kind of activities that really get us thinking that really you know finds ways to to become a little controversial i, I think there may have been some choices that i made that you find controversial or odd to put on mount rushmore but that's just my opinion nonetheless um if you have any more of these suggestions or categories you want me to do let me know i'll, I'll get those done but it's it's always uh, fun to kind of do these things. Uh, I love, you know, doing the bold choice of the week because that's the most fun yet controversial and, and kind of divisive uh, segment I have. But that's kind of been the end of uh, my activity. We'll get to the last segment, which is our outro. We'll, we'll be right back. As we have come to the end of yet another episode, I just want to thank you for your support for taking time out of your day and week to listen to this episode. I know things are getting a little busy, especially if you're in school with assignments and exams piling up. Keep working hard. You know it'll be worth it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode, of course, and either learned something new or just reinforced your opinion, just you know, took time of your day to relax and just hear what I have to say. Please follow our social media pages if you haven't done so already. We're on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram, and I'll be recording a lot more bonus material I was given the suggestion of using Twitch for live streams, and I'm still trying to figure out if that's something I want to try out. There is a lot of, you know, complications that go on behind the scenes with uh, recording live stream, but I do want to give you that little visual aspect uh, to this as well. So I'll definitely think about that and, and let you know what I plan on doing. There's going to be a lot of gaming content and more exclusive and interactive content coming out for you to enjoy. Continue to send in suggestions because um, I've been relying on friends to pitch some ideas to me because I'm in some sort of writer's block. I haven't been able to think of solid content for a few weeks now. So thank you to everyone who's given suggestions. It's been really helpful. And um, if there's anything that I haven't talked about already or even if I have talked about it in the past, you just want me to talk more about it and bring you know, awareness to something, whether it be something in sports entertainment or even like a, a real world issue something going on in our society right now just say the word and i'll i'll definitely you know take care of that but anyways thank you so much for tuning in i hope you have an amazing day and i'll end this one off the same way i've ended off all my other episodes especially with valentine's day coming up be sure to spread love everywhere you go and in everything you do until next time take care everyone <laughs>